1: Welcome to Overdue. It's a podcast about the books you've been meaning
0: to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew, or is it? Maybe I am a sleeper agent who's been sculpted from the the bones and muscles of a of a, the underclass to infiltrate this podcast and bring it down from the inside. I'm on high alert now. Mm-hmm. I thought I or, was or podcasting. Maybe, or maybe maybe things are exactly as they seem.
1: Oh, well, thank God. Okay, Ooh, who, who can say though? Thank you for, but what it's <laughs> not? Uh, this is our podcast where we talk about books. We're two friends. We read books. We tell each other about them, mm-hmm. um, books we haven't read before usually. And
0: uh, Andrew,
1: what did you read
0: for this episode? I read the book Red Rise. I don't want to say Red Red. I read the book Red Rising part of the Red Rising series of books by Pierce Brown.
1: Pierce Brown and it's two trilogies sort of, right? It's two
0: trilogies sort of even though they both do t- cover sort of the same characters and the same storyline. I think the second trilogy is like 10 years after the first trilogy and it's not technically done yet, but yeah, two tri- we'll call it two trilogies. Okay. It's not a it's not a George R.R. R. Martin situation where he's been like yeah this is going to be eight books and i'm going to get to really unsatisfying part in the middle and then just forget how to write <laughs> on sure. my word perfect laptop or whatever it is that george r. r martin claims makes him so productive
1: whatever that guy is doing this is a <sighs> recommendation from one of our patreon supporters patreon.com search pod you can weigh in on future episodes but this one was suggested by lindsay thank you lindsay
0: what's lindsay have to say for <laughs> for themselves
1: yeah um uh i'd like to recommend red rising by pierce brown for your show as a big old sci-fi nerd i mostly stick to this genre and red rising is high up on my list it digs into social unrest and classism through a gripping story of kids killing each other parentheses <laughs> i swear it's better than hunger games bold take Lindsay. through strategic war games it will not disappoint um. thank you for doing what you're doing. Your sweet voices in my ear holes have gotten me through hours and hours of work tedium. Gross. Yeah. But well, I, I wouldn't have read it if, it, <laughs> if I didn't think it was going to get that reaction. We're happy to join cool. you at work, Lindsay. Thanks for supporting this show. Happy to be piped into your ear holes. Yeah. Um, so I had never heard of this book ever. Me neither. Nope. And I was surprised to find that like a lot of people... Had, I don't know, that's a weird way to say it, but that like other reviews of this book, other readers like discovering these books were coming to it with like knowledge of the hype train because there was hype for this.
0: Okay, yeah, I didn't, I thought you were going to a place where you're like, how dare a fandom exist without, without no. me and without my knowledge? No, approval. it's <laughs> it, it was that the
1: similar to like high up on my list is what Lindsay says but like when I was going through the Goodreads reviews it was like people were like oh I like this style of book I've been meaning to get to this one a lot of people have been talking this one up Um, and when I was reading a little bit about the response to the first book and some of the interviews that Brown was doing after it came out there was this like is this the next guy and I'm always fascinated by those those stories because if it seems like it's been successful enough to be two trilogies of books and some other spin-off stuff. But yeah, it hasn't certainly it's been made it's the, been fine. Yeah, it hasn't made the big jump yet.
0: I guess who do we like what's the what's the bar for a guy? You know, mm. or or just like a what are we talking about like a JK Rowling level? I'm talking of like a Patrick Ubiquity. Rothfuss. Patrick Patrick Rothfuss, the King or Killer. Like maybe even a Brandon Sanderson. Yeah, something like a Sanderson kind of yes. person. Okay, because I, I feel like even Hunger Games, I don't know that everybody's sitting around being like, when what's Suzanne Collins got?
1: No, actually, coming yeah, out, that's a good point. and, and that's maybe it's point.
0: because maybe it's because she wrote that Hunger Games prequel that wasn't that we read that wasn't very good. <laughs> that movie's coming but, out. Uh, oh boy. Okay if yep. it insists
1: <laughs> it does it does insist that we- but
0: you know appeared uh, we talked we've talked about well we talked about the the books about the kids who go into the portal worlds and yeah. then come back and need therapy we we've talked about the circle of magic stuff um there, there's a whole uh, a whole wide world of authors who are doing perfectly fine but who do need to continue working and writing all the time to yeah. You know, to continue to live. Yeah. They can't just live off their their film op you know, the, the film series based on their books for the rest of their lives. Not yet for Pierce Brown. Not yet, not yet. Not Pierce yet. Brown's been trying. Truly has. God Truly bless him. Has. I, but I don't know. I, we'll see. I think I think when you say in twenty eighteen, yeah, I have a showrunner on my show, on my TV show, that's definitely happening. And then that's the last thing that anybody can find on the internet about yeah. your TV show. I, I don't know. I don't know how it's gone over there.
1: Uh, Pierce Brown was born in 1988 in Colorado. Uh, he has got a couple of origin stories thanks to a, a profile of him in BuzzFeed. His mom owned a broadcasting company, and he, so he was immersed in like news and telling stories that way. Uh, and
0: more relevantly his mom was the chairman of American Apparel's board of directors Well, so that's I think a the real thing. the real origin story is like coming from means and it's having sure. time to cha- time and money to chase your bliss. Yeah, fair enough. But um his- I just like I just like to I don't know what it is about when I see something like that it's like well we have to mention this because I really have a viscerally negative reaction to all those stories that are like this millennial has one weird trick for Oh, for sure. Being financially yeah. solvent, and it's always like, yeah, I, I, my dad is like David Koch, and I am, I live off of his largesse. Well, but sure. But also, I don't have any student loans.
1: Yeah, well, there's that. <laughs> um, the, well, because let me contrast that with this other anecdote about how Please, one time yes. his dad bought him a shovel and he dug holes all over the yard, and each hole had a story.
0: Okay, that's some Calvin and Hobbes energy that I can get uh-huh. behind. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, on his website, he talks a lot about how his grandpa used to tell him stories. Um, a lot, a lot of the interviews mention that he moved around a lot as a kid. I think it had to do with his mom buying and selling radio companies. I don't really understand. It was before <laughs> she joined American Apparel, I think. Um, and what the BuzzFeed writer of this profile—I want to make sure I give the credit this was Aaron La Rosa in 2014 um kind of talks about th- his outcast status um he feels quote feels a kinship with people who are social outcasts moved around schools a lot encountered bullies tried to fit in all that jazz um and it is interesting because the entire framing of this BuzzFeed article is like him having sold a book and doing pretty well and, like hanging out with his cool roommates, who all think uh-huh. he's the cool author guy who uh-huh. has ideas uh-huh. is kind of neat um he started at pepperdine 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 eh, pepperdine yeah. uh and before he sold this book, he worked briefly in politics on a on a Senate campaign in California. I think he was working for some tech startups and then he was working in the nbc page program in la uh and living a real
0: thing (laughs) that real people apparently do in real life (laughs) he was
1: living in his former professor's garage and he had written a bunch of novels uh had gotten them all rejected uh he tells the story of how he was like pasting rejection letters to the wall in his bathroom you know myth making, modern self myth making
0: he says, I wrote, this is a interview with a writer mag. I wrote okay. six books between age 18 and 22. There was some interest from agencies, but no one signed me. My style was still a bit over grand, impossible to market or derivative. Sometimes all three. So Pierce Brown has just like six Aragons sitting in a desk drawer somewhere <laughs> that he has not published.
1: Yeah. There's also like, there's a, there's, I think it was the Buzzfeed interview where he talks about like. He's got all he's got all his his nerd stuff up in his room and he kind of jokingly says that whenever people come into his room he tests their nerd IQ. Now this is 8 years ago he was in his early 20s. I'm going to forgive him for a, an odd thing to do like that, but mm-hmm. um, I think he knows where his influences are.
0: Yeah, I mean I I do that with people who come into my room. I'm yeah. in my office. I'm like, "Hey, who's this? What can you what can you do, what can you tell me about the USS Enterprise C?" Do you, I did you did you know did you know it was an ambassador class ship that appeared on screen in season 3 episode 17 of Star Trek Next Generation, Yesterday's Enterprise? Identify this did Vulcan. Mhm. It's always Spock. Now it's Tuvok. Trick uh, question. I got him. <laughs> um,
1: he talks about how he got the call for his book contract with random house del rey on red rising while he was giving a tour in the page program and like took it and then everyone congratulated him which is sure
0: sounds like a bad tour for
1: them (laughs) <laughs> uh, they gave the a- You
0: know, I bet, I bet NPC pages are, are always like answering calls That's about what like, they, oh, oh yes. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a corpse on Law and Order. Hold on, I got to take this. He pitched it that way. He was like, they're always excited
1: to like, maybe they're getting a tour from an actor, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, mm-hmm. He, it was a three book contract um, for Random House Del Rey. We're in that like post Hunger Games world where they're looking for the next big thing. Uh, he wrote the screenplay pretty early on so this was 2012 and then the uh, it was option to universal in 2014 for a yes. film mm-hmm. um, but then that didn't go anywhere
0: yeah they had a few drafts of a screenplay and then as far as I could tell sometime in like 2017 ish the rights reverted back to him and he since sold them to somebody else who yeah. the, the, the company is unnamed uh but this like T V show is the last adaptation buzz that I could find about this anywhere.
1: Yes. It is as of twenty eighteen it was a a a drift in the streaming wars, basically. Mm-hmm. And what every service you could think of was potentially involved.
0: Yeah, and I just unfortunately for Pierce Brown, what with the Netflix doing worse and, and yeah. I just think the unlimited purse strings thing we, we might be seeing the beginning of the end of that era. Like not, not like your Apple TVs or your Amazons, which are using their unlimited resources to buy their way into the, the space. I think yeah. that, yeah, it's, it's going to be less maybe of a free for all than it has been. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see.
1: Um, this is, as we've said, it is the first in a six book currently series, uh, red rising golden sun morning star, the first trilogy. And then he revisited the series with Iron Gold, Dark Age, and then I think Lightbringer came out this year. I don't mm-hmm. know if the, any of those books, if he's dove in any prequel stuff. I don't think
0: he has yet. There is right? a is there series a comic? of, there's a comic series that's a prequel series okay. that came out in like 2017 or 2018. Okay. That he was involved in. So, yeah. Um, he said that. But but no, like what if we went back to see how, who the main bad guy was as a child and.
1: Sure. (laughs) Try to
0: develop sympathy for him or whatever. (laughs) Sure. Um, And he
1: said he got the idea for the book while he was like mountain climbing and hiking and thought, wow, this is hard. Wouldn't it be great if there was less gravity like on Mars? (laughs) And he was also thinking about the play slash story of Antigone and about like, you know, fighting the system He said the entire story is about rejecting the limits that others put on you and it's about evil and evil is simply greed. So it's about combating greed and combating selfishness and evil and trying to rise above what society has told you that you have to be. Uh, And so he kind of combined this idea of what if on Mars with a bunch of other stuff that he was reading
0: at the time. Mm -hmm. And also Uh, like Mars... That's a Roman God. What if there was other Roman stuff going on also? Indeed. Okay, sure. Yeah. Um,
1: but yeah, that's kind of where this is. I think, I don't know, you and I are watching Mars show right now. This is like a hot time for Mars fiction. I, I mean, the book, the book did
0: come out several years ago.
1: I'm just in our but conversation
0: right now. I don't know. We, yeah, the sure. Martian
1: came out around the same time.
0: Uh, it, was, it was in there. Yeah, it was in the mid twenty ten somewhere. Like the, the Martian was in there, but I, I think this is this definitely owes more. I, I he doesn't say anything about being influenced by the Hunger Games. It's just that the book is being compared to that a lot. But it's yeah. I I suspect part of the reason that it was picked up is like dystopian future with a twist, and also there are murder games.
1: Yeah. Sure. It, it
0: it does. It feels of like that that early to mid twenty tens era where Hunger Games is coming up and it's this huge thing, and publishing companies are like, okay, where's where? How do I get in on this? Like the Maze Runner. There's other stuff like that. There's other, mm-hmm. and some
1: of them became films. Anyway, um, not the,
0: not this one though. Yet. No, not yet. Not yet. He's um, trying. All
1: right. Well, let's. Take a quick break, and you can take me to Mars. Okay. Andrew. Greg. Let's go to
0: space. Okay. Squarespace. Oh, whoa. Whether it's the, what, a gallery page. What happens page? if the James Webb telescope turns around <laughs> <laughs> And it starts taking high-resolution pictures of websites.
1: Whether it's a gallery page, blog, or online store, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform to build a powerful online presence and run your business. Now, let's say you were on Mars, Andrew, and you had recorded some videos that you wanted to send home. I don't know if you know this. There's a radio delay. You can't FaceTime from Mars. Yeah, eight Uh, minutes. Squarespace lets you embed video blocks on your websites. If you, like, upload your videos to a popular video website... Um, a YouTube or something you can then embed that right into your Squarespace page. If you need someone back on earth to manage these updates for you while you're on the red planet, you can have multiple contributors to your web page and you can set permissions so you can give them only like you can keep them from messing with the important stuff but just handling your updates. It's important to have selective access you're mm-hmm. giving the keys to other people. And if you want to see where your site's visitors are coming from and what they're doing when they arrive, Squarespace has great analytics to give you powerful insights. No word on if they can tell you what planet people are coming from, but as soon as that text's available, I'm sure that they'll have it. Because mm-hmm. um, right now it's only from Earth. But Yeah, maybe. like as
0: soon, I'm sure it'll be able to recognize a Mars IP address when when that becomes a thing. Do, do the rovers have Mars IP addresses? I they probably have like internal sort of IP addresses with NASA. Equipment at NASA. I don't I don't know that they're exposed to the wider internet with their own Could IPs. I VPN from Mars? <laughs> know i don't, I don't know, know how that's being handled
1: well if i figure it out i'm going to make a website about it um and you can too head to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch go to squarespace.com slash overdue to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain that's squarespace.com slash overdue save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain
0: craig i'm stuck on mars also Okay. Your, your the premise of your thing is that you were on Mars and now I too am on Mars, but I don't need a website, I need a doctor. Oh because no. I'm on Mars and I'm running out of air and uh-huh. I would like somebody to help me with this please.
1: Yeah, you got to talk to someone. Are there any doctors
0: there? Uh there I don't know if there's a doctor here, but you know a website that would help me find out if there were a doctor on Mars is Zocdoc. Ah. ZocDoc is our sponsor this week. It's a free app that shows you doctors who are patient reviewed, who take your insurance, and who are available when you need them and hopefully where you need them as well if you are on the red planet like I am right now. Okay. On ZocDoc, you can find every specialist under the sun. Now, note that Mars and Earth do share the same sun, so (laughs) this line of the ad is still technically true. Uh Whether you're trying to straighten those teeth, fix an achy back, or get that mole checked out, ZocDoc has you covered. ZocDoc's mobile app is as easy as ordering a ride to a restaurant or getting delivery to your house. Search, find, and book doctors with a few taps. Go to ZocDoc.com, find the doctor that's right for you, and book an appointment in person or remotely that works for your schedule. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc, and I'm one of them. I've scheduled optometrist exams, dental exams, all kinds of exams mostly on earth so far but okay i'm looking forward to trying it up here on mars also sure so go to zocadoc.com slash overdue download the zocadoc app for free then start your search for a top-rated doctor today many are available within 24 hours that's z-o-c-d-o-c.com slash overdue Zakadoc.com slash overdue Where shall we
1: begin, Andrew, in this journey to Mars? Or does this all
0: take place on Mars? It's not a journey to Mars. It's people People be up on Mars already. Okay. So we start with this guy named Darrow, right? That's our main guy. Yeah. And he's 16. Oh. But he's also very worldly and, and just like chews gravel for breakfast and- <laughs> spits nails a real master chief <laughs> it's real, sure it's a real master chief. i was born to mine the earth he says at one point but he's <laughs> on mars well to mine the earth on mars <laughs> 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 i guess i don't you don't call it mars like mars just because it's the ground on mars i guess he scooped up a handful of mars
1: <laughs> that rules we would we would go to mars and still call and started, Dur- Earth. started still called
0: dirt earth yeah we of course we would. would yeah
1: oh great. Uh, but
0: so darrow is he the, he is part of this big like color-coded cast system and he's okay. a red reds are all the way at the bottom and oh. he mines the all right, so you talked about watching for all mankind, which mm. is the real, which is the name of the show on Apple TV Plus that nobody uses because it's a bad name. It's just called Moon Show. Yeah. Uh, he mines on Mars for helium three, which is a fuel source that helps intergalactic or interplanetary, I guess, travel sure. between different planets in the solar system. Okay. And so you know, he's things are bad for him, but everybody is uh, who's a red is told. You know, you got to do this hard work now, so that years from now, our descendants who come to Mars can enjoy this fully terraformed planet, and they can escape from Earth, which is horrible. Oh, and and a disease planet—it's bad, and everybody needs to get away from. It. So just keep working. You know, your life is is hard and short, but it's for the greater good. So don't worry about it.
1: So it sounds like is Mars pretty? janky like how how fully formed is the terraformed it's it's sure
0: being pitched that way isn't it oh so darrow is a hell diver (laughs) which is a that's just what they call the the miners and one of the worst i mean aside from just like all the armageddon ish like drilling (laughs) equipment that they all have to deal with all the time uh, you got like pit vipers who are just like snakes who came from Earth, but then what? they came to Mars and they got super poisonous no! and they will just like eat your face off, yes, and, and poison you and go into your belly and lay their eggs. Um, boy, but so li- life is bad, okay, for, for Darrow, but he's like he's a he's a young buck and he's very daring and he has a very high opinion of himself. Mm. And he's married also to this, this girl who is fridged almost instantaneously oh. to give him motivation for his journey of vengeance. So Okay. <laughs> Darrow's wife gets killed very early on. Uh he also is killed for like going to like bury her body like you people oh, usually yes. that's antigone get, yeah mm-hmm. yeah people don't people don't usually get buried they just kind of like hang there as a reminder yep. about how you're not supposed to do forbidden dances or anything yeah uh and so he is then buried but he isn't dead he he wakes back up and he gets picked up by these guys named the sons of aries and the sons of aries are like everybody lied to you Mars is fully terraformed and there's this whole society living here and this is there's a whole upper class that is enjoying a an idyllic existence and uh, everybody lies to you to keep you downtrodden and underfoot so you don't question your place in the hierarchy.
1: Okay. Okay. This sounds like uh, stuff I've read but also sounds like it has a flavor.
0: Yeah, yeah, it does have both of those things. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there's a, but so let's talk about tone a little bit. So the, the thing with the main arc of the book then is like Darrow is he, everybody thinks he's dead. And so he's pulled from obscurity and the sons of Ares are like, we're going to mold you into somebody who's supposed to be at the top of this hierarchy. You're going to be a gold and you're going to go up and attain the highest rank that you possibly can in gold society. And then you're gonna bring down this horrible, oppressive government from the inside. So, so a little Hunger Gamesy, except yeah. that where Hunger Games is very focused on like Katniss and her inner monologue and her usefulness as a symbol more than her sure. like prowess as a as an actual like agent of chaos who can who can bring the system down from the inside. Mm-hmm. Like this book is much more. I've I've I talked because we were on vacation together and I was reading it as we were on vacation. Yes. And I was just kind of filling you in on my like impressions as I went. And this book is much more and I don't know if this softens in later books or or what. I think it has a big LGBT following, which would surprise me based on reading this one. But uh, it's very like bro dude. Mm. Doom guy, Master Chief, Ura, like manly dude, sci-fi. You know, in (laughs) a way that
1: does not appeal to you. You you know, in a way
0: that is that is initially very off-putting and then sort of fades because the story picks up later once it becomes like a, a murder game. Um, sure. But yeah, it's definitely different from Hunger Games. Like to compare it to Hunger Games is just to say like it's a it's a dystopian book where people murder each other for sport. Okay. Okay. Uh, but the main characters are very different. Like the tone of it is very different. Um, like this is him. The this, this is Darrow describing what it's like to be in his fry suit, which is all one word. And that's the, and this happened, that happens a lot in this book, is a sci fi trope where two words are combined together into one word to make it clear that this lingo is slightly different from our society. Yeah. Uh, I smell my own stink inside my fry suit. This suit is some kind of nanoplastic and as hot as its name suggests, it insulates me toe to head. Nothing gets in, nothing gets out, especially not the heat. Worst part is you can't wipe the sweat from your eyes. Bloody damn stings as it goes through the headband to puddle at the heels, not to mention the stink when you piss, which you always do. (laughs) Gotta (laughs) take in a load of water through the drink tube. Drink tube also is one word. Yes. I guess you could be fit with a catheter. We choose the stink. <laughs> 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 this is like okay. We choose the stink. This is all like a very deep voiced, gruff, doom voiceover. Yeah. Tone. And that is the voice of Darrow.
1: There's a part of me that finds the like I am enjoying the over the topness of it, but then again, I'm only getting 10 second snippets. Yeah. Does it? Well, I mean,
0: here's it. Here's I was born to mine the earth. They were born to kill men. More than two feet taller than I, eight fingers on each massive hand. They breed them for war, and watching them is like watching the cold blooded pit vipers who invest in our minds. Pit vipers? Guess what? One word. Yes. <laughs> Reptiles, both. <laughs> It's you it know, it, but it's kind of constantly like that, and it's sure again. It springs out at you more in the first part where it's all just like constantly in Dara's head, all exposition, all learning things about this world. Like that, I'm he's sixteen, but he's very like been everywhere, seen everything. I think you are getting it with the. I I think you are getting it a little bit with the. With the benefit of hindsight, like it's not like it's explicitly like, oh, I am Darrow and this is my story and I'm going to go back in time and tell you this whole but thing. But that is I think sort it, of what's happening, yeah. Okay. It sort of feels like what's happening a little sure. bit. Yeah, it's his story. Um, because other, otherwise there's no, like, I don't know, there, there is no way that he, as somebody who's insulated from this entire hierarchy because of where he is in it, would know and understand quite so much about it i don't oh, know oh sure so let me can i can i drop in
1: early a three star uh-huh. Goodreads review
0: three star review. this is from emily
1: who said who's talking about darrow mm-hmm. um and I, I will before i get into this i'll say that uh brown talks in a few interviews about this series that when he starts the second trilogy um He is introducing other POV characters who are kind of expanding the universe a little bit um, and just the the type of character that we meet. uh, And that seems to be part of the the popularity of the series is kind of the expanding of, of who is, you know, for lack of a better word, on screen. Sure. Anyway, Emily says of Darrow, "This The guy is absolutely perfect in that despairingly average way that seems to be the defining factor of <laughs> YA heroes and heroines. He mm-hmm. gets everything right. He is faultless. The story is built up around him being so good that he's able to do what everyone else cannot, and yet he's also your average Joe in a way that I suppose is meant to make readers relate to him. Um, I found another review where someone referred to him as a Gary Stu. <laughs> instead of a merry scary stew which is kind of funny. Um but then it goes on to say that like the book does work because of a sense of tension, nastiness and drama. Um the author isn't afraid to like kill characters or cause, you know, stuff to happen that's surprising or upsetting. Um I don't know, was that your experience? like where does Darrow as a character seems like a thing you have to wrestle with? how does he function relative to like the plot maybe things pick up when the murder games happen i don't know
0: yeah i mean you you get this this whole sort of my fair lady but what if yes you were doing rain spain mail in a plane but also you had her on the operating table just constantly like augmenting her with extra bones and muscles to so that she would be <laughs> So you'd be able to seamlessly blend in with everybody in the the upper class. Okay, so it's like a a real face-off situation. You, it's a little bit of a, but he's not getting his face switched with anybody else's face in particular. It's like this this deep, like, gotta create a fake identity for you and like a family who is high high status, but also like plausibly obscure, so that you can gain entry to the spaces that are only for golds, but you also don't get found out because obviously like, if we put you in like the, the best family, then the guy who's the patriarch of that family is going to come along and be like, wait, I don't, you're not my son. Mm. Uh, So it's, it's this huge thing where he has to be trained to, to forget every instinct he's ever had about his former life and integrate into this, it's an entirely different society that he has no context for. And aside from a couple of slip ups, he does it pretty much perfectly and everything is, is fine. And you don't get a sense of him like st- straining really to <laughs> sure. No, <laughs> to do this stuff. So yeah, he is just kind of invincible in a lot of ways because he needs to be. Yeah. Um, the interesting, I mean, what what is sort of interesting about the story as it picks up is how despite being from this underclass and having to, like, remind himself constantly that these people, like, killed his wife and he, mm. he's here for vengeance and he's here for, like, a greater thing. It's like the, the tension there is, like, him not letting his own, like, personal vendetta swamp the like the bigger mission that he is here to accomplish like him finding some kinship with these people who he's supposed to hate because at an individual level they are people and they aren't, you know, necessarily monsters. They don't necessarily understand or think about everything that they've done to the people who exist underneath them in this hierarchy. This is Um, reminding
1: me of, it was funny we mentioned Brandon Sanderson earlier. This is reminding me of that first Mistborn book that had a very similar like pluck a street urchin who has who happens to have special powers, use them in a scheme to like put them in the nobility and mess things up. And then it is like, oh, you're here now. That that happens in the movie Face Off too. They put him <laughs> in with the criminals, and then he has like
0: he develops feelings for the criminals. <laughs> But some of the criminals in the movie Face Off are great though.
1: That is true. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail more Face Off talk.
0: But No, I mean it is sort of like Face Off in that the process of giving him a new face also totally changes his like body shape and bone structure. To- <laughs> Does he just in, fa- just in face off? It's not specifically addressed in this, Short. In this book that Is there it,
1: that it is, is there like much internality to Darrow?
0: I mean, it's you're in his head constantly. Sure, but, but is he like self reflective? A, a little. I get like so much of his motivation is like, oh my wife died. Yeah, sure. Oh my wife died. I'm so mad. I'm so mad. I gotta take down this whole society from the inside.
1: Okay, listen, if I was playing a Halo game and that's how Master Chief talked the whole time, I would like hey, it a I'm lot ma- more.
0: Hey, I'm, I'm Master Chief. Cortana. Hey. Cortana. Hey, I am talk, gonna, I talk to it, talk to a Siri in my helmet. <laughs> hey, I got to shoot these, to shoot these aliens on this big ring. <laughs> Finish the fight. <laughs> Uh, but so, it's, I mean, yeah, he has internality. Like you watch yeah, sure. him sort of fall in love with somebody else after his like wife dies. But a lot of it is is I don't know is, is thinking about tactics and thinking about okay maintaining his cover and and I don't know. You do get internality, but there's not like you don't get the. All the like reflectiveness, I guess. Yeah. Though I mean, the the good of of a Katniss Everdeen, but the the good thing about that is, I think we and not you know the, plenty of readers by the time you get to the end of that Hunger Games series, like her trauma and her like her internality and her everything, it becomes a bit of a slog to to read through it does. just because it's she's so bogged down and. Part of the point of the story is that she's not like the, you know, the the hero who's gonna run in and like single handedly, yeah, slay all the the monsters or bad guys or whatever. Like that's not what she's there to do in the story. But I, that her like smallness and sort of helplessness and.
1: It does, it pulls its attention on the plotting of those books.
0: It's, and it wears on you as a reader a little bit too, because it just kind of becomes a bummer. Yeah. By the end. Um, Um, and, and and Darrow is much more like, yeah, some bad stuff happens to him, but also he is just going to run in and like Jack Bauer all these fools. Okay. Like on on Mars, like the Mars version. (laughs) Uh, can
1: you tell me some some other reviews mentioned? That, you know, they talked about this trouble that people had connecting to Darrow, um, but a bunch of people mentioned a character named Severo, who is also mentioned in the interview where Brown is like, "Hey, uh, I'm gonna introduce some like he, What does he say? He says Darrow's heteronormative outlook has been changing after leaving the mines. He began embracing sexual fluidity and gay characters like Tactus. Uh, Orion will be a much more fun character to work with in the next book. This is him talking about the second trilogy and kind of like diversifying the characters a little bit more.
0: Yeah, there's literally none of that in this yeah. book. Sure, sure.
1: So like what? It, who is Severo though? Because Severo comes up when he's like, oh, people really responded to this character and that made me think a little bit differently about... Who I write and why.
0: Severo's a little weirdo. Okay, but like in a but like in a good, fun way. Okay, cool. He's so just like Darrow is like coming up from from red and like pretending to be this high class gold guy. Mm. Severo is gold by birth, but he's definitely at the lower end of the cast. Like, it's always fun, yeah. reputationally and physically and like status wise, and so he very early so the once darrow like infiltrates the ranks of these golds he goes to this like school that's supposed to teach you about basically about like power structures and society though not everyone gets that going in okay Uh, so it's like a thousand people go in and then your first task is to get put in a room with somebody else who got into the school and two people enter one person leaves oh no and so it's a it's a lesson on how power and how society work, but also you're being like bonded to each other by having to kill somebody else. And also there's like a survival of the fittest element to it going on. So everybody who makes it through that first challenge in some way has like proven that they have something like strategically or physically to offer, I guess. And where Darrow is, You know, he he is able to think tactically and and to do that kind of thing, but he also has, like, brute strength in his corner that he can and does fall back on. Severo's thing is he's very much a, like, if you're doing D&D classes, much more of a rogue sort of character. Yeah, sure. And becomes, like there are a few characters who Darrow becomes like actual friends with and Severo is one of them. And I think those are some of the more effective relationships in the book because they make Darrow sort of reconsider his, I don't know, his, his like place in this society. And, and there's a, you know, early when it's, when it's him as a red, he's getting turned into a gold, like you, think, okay, he's going to get up to the top and he's going to overthrow the gold from the inside. And then he's going to bring up all the reds and it's going to be this big uprising. But by the end of this book, and I, I've not read any of the other books. I haven't read anything else that happens, but it really feels more like Darrow realizing, like I can find allies mm-hmm. in my quest to reorder society from lots of different places. Sure. In, in the society, including, including golds and that I think that's where Severo comes in and that's like the most interesting sort of element of of his character.
1: Okay. Yeah. And and that's an that is an interesting place for a first book to wrap. It is my understanding that the the end of the first trilogy does like I I know no details other than like a revolution occurs. Yeah, Things like, I'm
0: not even, I'm not even, th- that thing that I said just now is not even a thing that the book really says. Yeah, sure. Explicitly. It just feels like a thing that Darrow is supposed to be learning or th- that yeah. he is realizing as he actually interacts with these people and, and amasses power and learns what it is to, like, be a leader and to to earn loyalty rather than, like, ruling through fear and that, that kind of stuff.
1: What is the, like, where does, how does this book close off its, you know, part of the
0: story? Yeah, so the structure of the murder games is a little weird. Like, it's, everybody is in a house themed on a Roman god. Neat. And if you don't know anything about the Roman pantheon, like, they're mostly just appropriated Greek gods with different names. swap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pal- yeah. Greek to Roman palace. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, but you were you were supposed to conquer basically the other houses. Like you, you, Darrow realizes early on, you know what they're trying to make us do is recreate the hierarchy that exists in sure. actual society. So we're supposed to go to these other houses and conquer them and and make them in like the word the word that is used is slaves. We're supposed to make these other people into slaves because our our comfort and our power is not secure without like this downtrodden underclass. Yeah. Okay. And you know, it's, 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 I'm not, I don't remember if the school has a specific like time period that it's supposed to take place over or if it just like goes until somebody wins, but it's not a hunger games thing in that you're trying to kill everybody. Even though people do die, it's more like a, you know, a house based like victory system where you're supposed to lead your house to victory. Oh, I, I've never heard of that before. Sure. And so Darrow has many ups and downs throughout this, but eventually decides, okay, so there are these teachers who are hovering over them Mm. who are the proctors and it becomes, it comes, it becomes clear that the proctors are bending the rules and, and, manipulating the game to favor the son of this like already prominent house and the head of this house just happens to be a guy who darrow hates who (laughs) was there when his wife died
1: oh okay
0: yeah and so darrow has all kinds of reasons to not not like this guy (laughs) but darrow decides okay i'm gonna i'm gonna take the fight to the teachers and it becomes this whole metaphor where he's like Conquering Olympus, basically, because he's he's
1: mm, he's taking out the gods.
0: Yeah, he's taking out the gods, and so he wins the game sort of by breaking it. And, and there's a there's a, an echo of Hunger Games there because at the end of yeah. that first, in particular book, yeah. yeah, Katniss pulls that thing where she engineers there being two winners, which simultaneously endears her to. And what's the opposite of being endeared to somebody? Unendeared.
1: Yeah. Let's just go with that. Un- Unbearded. In,
0: in in hatens you <laughs> to, to, <laughs> to other people. <laughs> <laughs> uh so the book ends, yeah, with with Darrow having like united all these fractious people and having like the, the, the folks who are running the the test multiple times are like this isn't the real world. Like you can you can have allies in here and you can get loyalty in here but then you all go back to your lives and it doesn't matter anymore but it does seem like darrow has genuinely won a lot of people over with his like charisma and planning and smartness and handsomeness and and Uh, okay and then so the game ends with like darrow is the victor and he's like beating all the teachers and the, the rulers of the society come in and be like, whoa, I've never seen I've never seen a ton like that. And that's, you know, it's, it's partly helped along by the fact that the, you know, the higher ups in the society only see basically they see the dailies of this. Like they see what's captured <laughs> on video on like a half day delay. And so Darrow has like several go in and like selectively edit. Oh that's a, neat. okay, a version that it's it's gonna make him like look look good and also cover up some of the you know, maybe slips where he maybe almost accidentally reveals his identity and the whole th- the whole axis that that spins on is very silly, which we can talk
1: about in a minute. <laughs> but um, I didn't expect it to have a little bit of that like media critique. There's In a it. there's
0: a little bit of it but it's not nearly like it, it it's is not, not a thing where the yeah. no it's not it's not a an entertainment product that is being broadcast to the masses like that that is something that Hunger Games is doing that this is explicitly not doing this that is was- basically a like you know so so people's parents can watch the c c t v feed of of what is happening inside the murder dome, you know yeah it's, it's, it's not th- a it's not a thing that everybody is following and watching, and like this big cultural event
1: it reminds me of of that with, there's like that one when when they introduce that element to squid game, and it's like, oh, these like rich guys are watching it, and then that doesn't
0: re- <laughs> you mean the worst part of squid yeah game. the
1: because like it feels really under baked and it it makes text something that was like really strongly implied by everything that was happening anyway
0: yeah it's the worst part of squid game And then the second worst part of squid game is that the cop dangling loose end yeah you know, yeah but but yes you're right but but the core character
1: of squid game very good um okay yeah squid game so do you want to tell me about this? His secret. I'm just, I'm a little loose on the details, but probably you're a little loose on the details of the of the face-off double identity
0: thing. He doesn't. He doesn't have a double identity. Okay. He used okay. to be Darrow, and now he is this entirely different person who has a fake identity that's been made for him, and he's been physically altered. But I don't know. I guess like hell divers are really good with their hands, and so that's a thing that Darrow has. Is he just has. And I, listen, I have used my hands for like a lot of things over the years. And I'm here to tell you that using your hands for a bunch of thing, like over many years, it does not make your hands super graceful and like comfortable to use. It just gives you a bunch of repetitive stress injuries. So, But, uh, anyway, anyhow, sure. The, the big thing that the whole, so remember that thing earlier where they they choose the stink that pa- the stink passage that i read didn't to you think earlier. that was gonna come back oh it's back baby and there was a word in that passage that i read you that was a curse word and it's bloody damn and that's one word yeah, yeah. and so during the my fair ladying of darrow it's drilled into him a bunch of times a rich person would never cuss like that A rich person would say "gory damn" instead of "bloody damn." What? And (laughs) if you cut, and and if you, and listen, if you cuss wrong, the (laughs) entire thing falls apart. And so this happens two or three times. It it happens once when Darrow finds another secret red embedded among the golds, and it's it's because he cussed wrong. And then there's a moment where Severo suspects that darrow is not what he seems because he sees on the cctv footage as he's editing it for distribution that darrow says the wrong cuss under duress at one point i'm into this and it's not i guess it would be harder to have him found out in some other less silly (laughs) stupid way Sure. It is also very My Fair Lady. The way that the book decides to do it is like, yeah, poor people cuss this. like Poor people be be like this and rich people be like this. And if you cuss the wrong way, it's not – rich people won't be like, well, that's a poor people cuss. What are you doing? Rich people will be so – Affronted and astonished that they will automatically assume that you can only be a deep cover sleeper agent because that's the only reason why you would cuss wrong in this society. The sure. only reason.
1: That's funny. It,
0: it's it is funny and silly yeah. and stupid. It's three things.
1: <laughs> okay. If I had never read read Hunger Games before, Andrew. Mm-hmm. What might I dig about this book? Because I do think the wrap on this book is that like some people can get over how tropey it is, and not just like you know macro tropes, but like tropes of books that were pretty recent to its release. Mm-hmm. And some people can see past them and kind of get into the the setting or whatever. Like, what might work for me? if I was able to put the tropes away.
0: I think, I I think it's definitely, even if you're talking about it as a tropey work, it's definitely more deft in how it weaves those tropes together. than I, like I I mentioned Aragon earlier and I'm going to come back to it because reading Aragon, like every third page you hit a, trope or reference that is so obvious in its point of origin that it makes you put the book down so you can lay your head on the desk for a minute. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And this book at least is being a little more creative and interesting about how it's, you know, it's, it's, it's dystopia fiction. It's like living on it's, it's sci-fi. It's, Drawing on Roman mythology, but it's at least like blending those things together in a way that does not immediately one thousand percent scream derivative in the yeah, way that I sure. think Arag- Aragon did for us. Yeah. So like that that's that's one thing. to Okay. Do about it, and I also just think sometimes you know you just want to pick up a sci-fi book where they. I don't even, I, I don't remember what m- money is even called in this, of it's credits or, or, or what people either like don't have money or they have so much money that they don't need to worry about it. And so money doesn't like come up a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, give me, give me a sci-fi book where people do people have something called like a, sl- a sling blade or whatever, but it's <laughs> two, it's two words. Combine into one word and that's how you know it's sci-fi. Just like give it, just give it to me, because that's yeah. what this book is. Yeah. Get let me What are I'm just gonna like flip through here's some things that are one word that would normally on our earth planet be two words. Okay. Arch governor is well, one. That's one. Arch governor? Okay. Mine magistrate. Mm. Like the magistrate of a mine. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, just going to keep flipping through pages here. There's Arch Governor again. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that boy. one
1: sort of works. Like Archangel, Archdiocese. Archangel.
0: Arch, should it should be Arch Governor. Arch Governor just rolls off the tongue so much more. Yeah, clumsily.
1: that's difficult. The the guh is not easy. <laughs>
0: uh, As
1: someone with a k and a guh in my name, I recognize.
0: You do got a cut and a good. That's true. Mhm. Mhm. Sling, yeah, there's there's sling blade. That's a movie. Um, <laughs> sling blade. People is a movie. people say he said when he wants to be specific or technical, you might say about about something he says to be technic.
1: Yes. Yes. That's good. I want to watch the vids where someone gets technic. Yeah,
0: like it's it's that kind of stuff. Like vids is a good reference point. It's like mm. that kind of junk over yes. and over again yes it's like okay cool give it to me let's that do that
1: stuff's fun it's that stuff's fun and it's fun to dunk on like that's because it's like you it, gotta yeah, have it is, something. It is both things
0: because it's it's you walk into this the house that pierce brown is built and it's like hey i know this i know this house <laughs> i've i've been in houses similar to this one before And recognizing the features that they have in common makes me excited to hang out in the house. One of my favorite parts of For All Mankind
1: is that everybody's sending D-mail to each other. D-mail, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. It's great.
0: Instead of email.
1: Instead of email, they picked D-mail.
0: Because it's digital mail.
1: Oh, man. Well, how much does, just like, and this can close us out, but like, how much... Does the Marsness
0: head talk
1: wait what's that is one word when I talk in my head
0: it's just one like when you're talking out of your butt <laughs> okay, like head like the toilet talk I don't know if it's head like the toilet, huh okay um maybe, maybe head talk is good, I don't know, but it's one word low <laughs> low reds. One word. Sure. That's how you refer to people who are on the lower end of the red cast.
1: Low reds. Okay. Yeah, low reds. You
0: also have like high, high golds. Mm. What? Wh- you also have wh- the different kinds of golds because you have like oh. high golds who are like cool, cool guys. And you have, I think, bronzies, which is what they call like golds who are no good. Okay. Or who are on like the lower end of the cast. And then you got pixies. Who are just they just like eat too much or they they let their desire for pleasure and things of the flesh to dominate their. Whoa. Their lives. Huh. When you're when you're a high gold, you got to like even if you're having like the best meal your whole life, you got to leave like 20 percent just to just to show everyone around you that you're not. Dominated by your baser instincts. World See, that's like the this thing, book. is like yeah. I kept wanting to be like, ugh, this book. But then I kept reading more of it and I was like, Oh, actually this kind of whips a little bit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's is like what about it? This is my final question. Mm-hmm. What about it like needs to be Mars? What about like I saw this Ray Bradbury quote? Uh Mars is a mirror, not a crystal. Where like and he's ta- he was talking about his Martian Chronicles books and like them being a way to talk about life on Earth as opposed to a a way to imagine, you know, space aliens and stuff like that. Um like what about this being on Mars is useful to the book as opposed to him setting it just on Earth where other than the red thing, which is duh.
0: Some of, some of it is just like, these are, I talked about those humans before that have like eight fingers on each Mm. hand. Like they are, they're all humans, but some combination of being away from earth and being in this low gravity environment has introduced these like extra physical differences between people. Like there, there are people who are born and raised their entire lives in this lower gravity. And it has like a it has an effect on their like bone mass and their their body structure and then there are these you know golds who can afford to be trained in like earth gravity and it just makes their bodies physically different it also is mars is so first humanity went to the moon and then from the moon they launched different. And this is again, another thing that comes up in for all mankind. Yeah. But from the moon, they launched like the colonization of, of Mars. And, but also all the stuff on the moon was owned by companies on earth. And then everybody on the moon was like, you can't boss us around here on the yeah. earth and we're on the moon. <laughs> and yes. so it, it became this like whole schism in society. And so you had like Mars is one of the first colonies, but then, You get multiple references to like moons of of like Jupiter being colonized. Like there, there is terraforming work going on on Pluto. Like it is Mars is useful as a planet that's pretty similar to Earth that can be terraformed relatively easily, and it's you know pretty far along as a society. It's had its own time to develop, but also it opens you up to a bunch of other like possibilities and like wider exploration and, and travel and, and other other stuff that you know maybe it's explored more in later books. Maybe we just stay on Mars. I don't know. But it does feel like Brown trying to be, you know, there there are a lot of places we could go in this in this universe. It's not just Earth and Mars. This is not just like a hard scrabble community. It's a it's a society that has had several hundred years to establish itself cool. and and become different from society as as we know it on on earth yeah okay yeah Yeah, that makes sense to me
1: the the like separation the oh we're here now we could just do what we want to do like that's Mm -hmm. a really compelling like world building note to me um Mm
0: -hmm. cool
1: would you go to mars andrew
0: i mean i wouldn't want to be first I
1: wouldn't want to be first.
0: If other people had been there and sort of established, I, I think that there was the game Sim Earth was like an old like DOS and Windows yeah. game, and that game was really interested in in like planetary systems, like what happened with different biomes and and how you could affect the like the atmosphere of the Earth and its suitability for life based on like the fuel sources that you were using, and like there there was this very there was this mechanic where fossil fuels were were easy to get and very important early on in your planet's life and then you needed to but you also needed to be like developing and and switching to renewables at an appropriate time mm. and then there was this whole other like sub scenario where they gave you a planet that was mars Mm. Which was, you know, they, it was just, it was all the same planet, but they had all the, like the atmosphere and all the, the terrain ah. tuned to be Mars instead of earth. And your job was to, to terraform. Huh. I always found that mission really, really cool and, and fascinating. Yeah. Because what if, what if we needed to, could we, how would that, how would that go? Like we have a lot of experience, like accidentally making a planet unlivable slowly. Yeah. But could we, if we put our minds to it, make another sort of similar planet more livable quickly? I don't know. Hmm. Who knows?
1: That's a big question.
0: Yeah, we'll see whether it ends up becoming like practical (laughs) stuff that we need to know about in our lifetimes. I I don't know.
1: Learn how to grow some potatoes. Anyway, thanks for telling me about this book, Andrew.
0: Thanks for listening to me about this book.
1: Happy to. Um, if folks, uh, have thoughts about whether or not they would go to Mars, they can email us at overduepod at gmail.com or hit us up on Facebook and Twitter at overduepod. We got a lot of folks being very nice in response to last week's episode. Thank you so much about
0: Craig copying me.
1: Yep. Uh, thanks to Jeremy, Nick, Carol, <laughs> Gina, Stephanie, Lainey, Graham, Noah, Ray, Katie, and lots of other folks for reaching out in the last week. Um, our theme song is composed by Nick Larangis. Uh, If folks want to know more about the show, Andrew, where do they go?
0: OverduePodcast.com is our internet website. Up there we have links to the books that we have read and the ones that we are going to read. If you want to go to Mars with us, click that link. Buy Red Rising by Pierce Brown. You get a book, we get a cut. Your local independent bookseller gets a sale. Everybody wins. Patreon.com slash OverduePod is our Patreon project support us directly help us pay for books and for equipment uh and get access to our discord server and uh access to bonus episodes early including our current long reads project we're reading books in the goosebumps series in a special project that we like to call goosebumps and i think that's our deal craig what are you reading next week reading wolf
1: hall is a big book about thomas cromwell And wolves. I bet there are some wolves. I'll find out.
0: All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Until we talk to you next week, please try to be happy.
1: The Headgum Podcast.